0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Last night, 2014, pray and ask the Lord to touch us as a congregation and uh, that we would be intentional about what we're doing. Amen. I want to be intentional. I really do. And uh, so this evening is our communion service, and I believe for me and for others tonight, that communion is about remembering. It's about remembering the death of Jesus Christ. I've often said, especially because we, it's, it's not uncustomary, at least, for us to have our communion service at this time of the year. And so because of that, we are just coming out of the season of celebrating the birth of the Lord. It seems as though that we never have any problems remembering his birth. And as a nation, we uh, celebrate that individually. We celebrate that. But the Lord must have suspicion that somehow, while we would remember his birth, that we might dare remember or forget, rather, his death. And therefore, as the admonition set before us, don't forget, don't forget. If we're to forget his death, then we would forget the reason for his death. Amen. And there is a reason for this. His words are recorded in John chapter 14 and verse number 3 that reminds us of this reason. It's simply put, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Amen. Hallelujah. If I go, I will come again. And receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. He comes to us again and again and again. He says as often as you do this, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. It's sad but true that sometimes things that we are overexposed to, we soon lose our appreciation for it or it loses its impact upon us and our lives. And, And so the Lord just says as often as you do this, we do remember if we're not careful, we can lose that stirring feeling when we feel the presence of God, that anticipation that I think the church should always wear, amen, the soon, re- to the soon return of the Lord. And, and uh, you know, I grew up hearing that the Lord could come any day. I, I, I've I've cut my teeth on that message, so to speak. But just because I've heard that all my life, I do not want to become cavalier in my spirit about the truth of that message. That if the Lord doesn't call the church home tonight, he certainly could call me home. And so I want to live in, in, in not fear of that, but I want to live in anticipation of that day. And so we come tonight for this special occasion on on which we will remember the Lord's death one more time. From the Bible, we understand that the Lord's Supper, I, I think we're clear, is not some magical rite. It's not... Uh, Uh, anything which in and of itself will impart any measure of grace. It's not just some magic wand, but it is rather a statute in the word of God, which I think if we properly understand can accomplish several things in our life, not the least of which can bring us into the presence of the Lord. And I know that may sound strange when we come into a worship service, we come in with an expectation of being in the presence of the Lord. But you know, I think it's possible to be in the presence of the Lord collectively and not in the presence of the Lord individually. We can be in the presence of God and others around us are worshiping and we can feel the atmosphere of that worship and that praise and yet we ourselves remain unattached to what God is really doing at that moment in that hour. I've said to you before that I've been in services where others said, Uh, man, didn't it feel good to feel the presence of the Lord when I didn't feel the presence of the Lord? Or I've been in services where it was evident that others were feeling something and I was standing there alone and I didn't want to continue to let that service move on another minute. I want to figure out how to tap the roots a little bit deeper into the stream of what the Spirit of God is doing. And so I think that what we're doing here this evening can bring us individually into the presence of the Lord. I think it can deal with our sins and our failures, and sometimes as saints, we often kind of gasp at the idea of that, but I tell you tonight that, that there can be sin and failure in our lives, those, those areas of just coming up short, and so I want this to be a time to restore some things in my life and to reset the trajectory of my heart and my purpose and uh, I think it can restore not only fellowship with God, but it can restore fellowship with one another. Every now and then, every now and then we need something to come along and just kind of help us to get everything back in order. And uh, you've heard the expression, I've said it many times, and you've heard it no doubt other places many times, it does us good every now and then to have company. <laughs> kind of makes you sweep in the corners and and uh, take care of things a little bit more soberly, Right? I feel enough guilt to have another altar call right now. And so it does us good to just every now and then reassess that and and invite the Lord to come in and gives us a reason to do something and and uh, never one time, never one time have we ever had those moments in our life. I'm talking about my wife and I. Never one time have we had those moments in our life, whether it was expected company and we were working to that end or kind of unexpected company where we had to hurry up and, every, and get everything taken care of. We, we don't live like pigs now. I don't want to <laughs> leave the wrong impression, but I think you all get what I mean. And, and there's never been one of those times when at the end of the day when it was all said and done, whether we had enough time to plan to clean all of that up or just we had to rush through the process that we didn't look at each other and say well you know it feels good no matter what caused this no matter what served as a catalyst for it it feels good to have all of this back in place and so from time to time we need something to cause us to remember that I need to have the the fellowship with my fellow saints I need to have that restored I want to make sure that there's no angst that there's nothing wrong I want my heart to be right and my mind to be right Amen, this has a very spiritual meaning. Much like when the Bible speaks of a husband and wife being no longer two but one flesh. Now we certainly understand that they're not one body but they operate as one. There's a oneness about them. There's a singleness about them. And so in this service we partake of the bread and the fruit of the vine. The bread of course is symbolic of Christ's body broken for us. The fruit of the vine is symbolic of his blood that was shed for us. This speaks both to us for Christ's suffering and his sufficiency. And I'm thankful to know that he paid a penalty and a price that we might have certain things as a gift that are brought our way. But I'm also thankful for the sufficiency of the Lord, that I know that he can bless me according to his riches in glory, not just according to what my friend may have or according to what someone else may have, but he can bless me according to his riches and he is all sufficient. And Paul quite sincerely understood that when he sought the Lord more than once for deliverance from something in his life. When the Lord spoke to him and said, my grace is sufficient for thee, Paul understood something about the sufficiency of Christ because it was that one statement, that one matter-of-fact statement that just solved all the issues in the mind of Paul and he realized at that moment that he would rather have the revelations and the authority and the anointing of God upon his life than to ha- and, and depend on the sufficiency of God than to have his uh, his prayer answered so to speak. And so I think that is the central message for us at the center tonight of what we're doing. The Lord's Supper speaks to us about the death of Christ. It was the death a death full of suffering that paid the penalty for our sins. Therefore, every time we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are remembering and we are proclaiming that we are waiting on the Lord to return. I think another aspect of what we're doing here this evening is found in, in the book of Corinthians eleven twenty seven. 27. The scripture says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord Verse 28 then says, but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, Paul said to the Corinthian church, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. Communion, I... I, the word communion literally means to give thanks or the giving of thanks. Jesus took the cup and the bread and transformed them into something very meaningful and something significant. It can be a spiritual experience for all of us. However, the value of that experience, I believe, depends solely upon the condition of our heart or the heart of those that participate. And that was the problem in the church at Corinth. It's a serious thing, I believe, to come into communion with an unprepared heart. And that's why I said several weeks ago, or several services ago at least, we know that this is in our schedule. We know what we're doing. It's a good time to clean house. It's a good time to reassess our our motives. It's a good time to take an internal look and just see what God can reveal to us individually. I think it's a serious thing to come with an unprepared heart. And that's why we should and have been preparing for this night long before 7.30 this evening. It's a serious thing to receive the Lord's Supper in a careless manner. Because the Corinthians had been sinning and observing the Lord's Supper, the Lord disciplined them. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11.30, I just read that a, a moment ago, for this cause many are weak, he said, and sickly among you and many sleep. or That means many have died. Communion gives us an opportunity for spiritual growth. Gives us an opportunity to open the door of God's blessings in our life if we approach it with the right spirit. I, wanna, I don't want to just go through the motions. I've said many times you can go rent whatever costume you want to rent. And so I'm pretty sure you could go rent a surgeon's outfit. But if I'm having surgery, I don't want somebody to just go rent an outfit. Amen. Amen. I want to make sure there's a man behind that. I want to make sure there's some experience behind that. I want to I want to make sure that's what is underneath that that uh, that robe or that dress. I want to make sure that what's behind that is real and significant and substantial. And so, tonight I don't want to just come and go through the motions. I've often mentioned that the scripture talks about the woman that was brought to Jesus that had been caught in the very act of adultery and and then to those that were accusing her, and and it was not a false accusation apparently, but to those that were demanding her judgment and death, Jesus just simply said this, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And so since no one threw a stone, apparently from what we gather from scripture, they all walked away from the scene. And something that has always perplexed me Is this why would you walk away from Jesus with confessed sin in your heart and in your life? Because when they walked away, when they didn't throw the rock, (laughs) when they took their rock back home with them, it was the same thing as saying that I am not without sin. And so you're standing in the presence of the only one that can do anything about it. So why would you walk away? And so this evening, I would say tonight that there is no reason for us to leave this house, amen, with sin in our life. We got an opportunity to make it right. (laughs) We got a brand new tomorrow that gives us another opportunity to keep it right. And we got a God that said, I'll go with you all the way. And I'll hold your hand. I'm comforted by those words. Those are not... Those are not words just fill a plaque on a wall. Those are not words that we would just frame and put in a significant place. But those are words that are branded upon the hearts of men and women. And so I take that serious when the Lord said he would not leave me nor forsake me. I take it serious when I read where the Lord spoke to Isaiah and said that he would hold his hand and that he is no respecter of persons, and what he has done for one, he'll do for me. And so if he would hold Isaiah's right hand and walk with him through deep and dark places, then he'll hold my hand and walk with me through those same significant places. It's a remarkable thing that Jesus wants his followers to remember his death. Most of us try to forget a lot of those things, but Jesus wants us to remember. Because everything we have as a child of God, centers around his death, burial, and resurrection. I'm thankful that he was born, but if that had been the end of the story, we would still be in trouble. But we remember that he died because this is so key and central to the gospel message. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to scripture and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to scriptures. And so it's not not so much the life of the Lord and I'm not being disrespectful here but it's not so much the life of the Lord nor is it even caught in the teachings of the Lord that will save us. But what will really save us is his death. (laughs) Amen, that's what really saves us is his death. Therefore, I've got to remember that he died. Jesus died for our sins. He was our substitute paying the debt that we could not pay. However, this remembering is not simply just about recalling some historical fact. This is not just trying to meet with God on some intellectual level. It's participation in spiritual realities. And so this evening gives us an opportunity not only to look where the Lord has brought us, Not only to look where we are today, but it gives us an opportunity to look before us. I've said many times in the last several services that I am excited about the future of what God has in store for us as a church. I mean that. I'm excited about the things that I can sense and see, and rather see with my own eyes, but I'm even more excited about those things that I can sense in the spirit of God. And I I don't want to sound... um, any way out of tune tonight, but I am I am encouraged when God sends people by our way who really don't even know us. And God has put a common voice, a common message in voices that has spoken to us about what they feel that God is doing in our midst. I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged by that. Amen. I think the quality of that are... are I think the validity of that is found in the character and the nature of those voices that God sends our way. Of course, would not uh, want to just receive that from any old vessel, but I'm thankful for those anointed mouthpieces that God places in our path. He didn't just die for our sins, but he rose again, ascended to heaven, and one day he's going to return and bring us there as well. And so today we're not at all what we should be, but I know this according to 1 John 3 and 2 that when I see him, I'm going to be like him. Amen. Finally, this evening's service gives us an opportunity to take a long look within, and this is probably the most meaningful look of all. I always want to give God thanks for where we've been. thankful for those that have walked before us. Tonight, when I was praying, I was thinking, I was thinking that this thought came to me. I I, I said, Lord, I'm so thankful for those that walked before me and were so faithful, and because of them, I'm able to be here tonight. It was almost as though as soon as I said that, I was reminded of the fact that I and you are walking before someone else tonight. There's somebody else that are depending on our steps, just like we depended on someone else's steps. Thank God they kept faithful, and thank the Lord they kept the lights on, so to speak. And so we're keeping the lights on for another generation. The Bible says, so I'm thankful that we have a past, and I'm thankful for what God is doing today. I'm thankful for what I have felt in this service. I'm thankful for the anticipation about this service that I feel and then being here tonight. But I think one of the most important things we'll do is not look behind or to the present nor to the future. But the most important thing we'll do is examine our own self. That's what the scripture says. Let a man examine himself. Paul did not say that we had to be worthy to partake of the supper. He just said that we should partake in a worthy manner. I try to cover this as many times as I can because there are so many people that that the enemy uses this passage of scripture against. And so if we're gonna participate in a worthy manner, then we gotta examine our heart. We've gotta judge our sins and here's the key, we gotta confess those sins to God. We must confess them. So to participate in communion with unconfessed sin in our lives, that's a dangerous thing. Yes, it is. Amen, we are guilty of Christ's body and blood. If we'll not judge our own sins, here's the bottom line, God will judge us. If we won't take care of it, he'll take care of it. Amen, I remember when my mother or my father told me to deal with something, and they said, now if you don't take care of that, I'll take care of it. I knew they weren't talking about doing me a favor. (laughs) They were firing a warning shot over my head. I knew what they were talking about. So if you you wanna deal with this or you want me to deal with this, I always felt like the the path of least resistance would be for me to deal with that. And so if we won't deal with and judge our own sins, then God will judge us. And then God will chasten us until we do confess and forsake them. The Corinthians neglected to examine themselves. However, they were experts at examining everybody else. That sounds eerily familiar, doesn't it? If we eat and drink in an unworthy manner, then we eat and drink judgment or chastening to ourselves. And that's nothing to take lightly because, and and I don't want to be misunderstood here, but many of you will know exactly what I'm talking about. You've never been whipped till the Lord whips you. When he whips you, you can write home about that. Chastening is God's way of dealing with his sons and daughters to encourage us to mature. It's the Lord saying, grow up, grow up. And so tonight I want to grow up. I want to grow up. I'm going to ask you to stand if you will and our ushers are going to prepare and and they're going to come around and serve you this evening and if you'd like to participate in our communion service then we would admonish you to do that. I believe the Lord's Supper is a demonstration in part of the unity of the church. It should be if I this way it should be almost like a family meal. The Lord of the family desires that his children love one another, care for one another, be concerned for one another. Amen. Our ushers are coming around. If you'd like to participate, if you'll just take that cup and hold it and we'll walk through this together in just a few moments. It's impossible for a true child of God to draw closer to the Lord while at the same time we're separated from one another because how can we say we love the Lord that we've not seen and we can't love one another who we do see and so we can't draw closer to the Lord and keep that wedge in between us and our fellow man we have to deal with that Amen, you have to take care of that. Don't let the wrath go down or the sun go down on your wrath. Some of the best advice that my wife and I ever received when we were uh, talking with our pastor and his wife about getting married is they admonished us to never go to bed mad. You know, I, I mean, we just readily agreed to that. That sounded like an easy thing to do. Because see, we'd never been mad at each other. So when he said, don't ever go to bed mad, we just kind of gave him a thumbs up, winked, and said, gotcha. Got it. That, that mountain, That mountain gets a little taller through the years. Not quite so easy to take care of all those things. But you see, it's so important, it's so important that we make wrongs right. And that we start turning those circumstances, those situations in the right direction. And so how could we possibly remember the Lord's death and not love one another? And I know this has been quoted over and over and over. But the Bible says, by this shall all men know your mind. It's not how well you sing, not what you wear, not what you drive, not where you live. But by this shall all men know that you're mine. And that is the love that you have for one another. First John, John 4 and 11 said, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So the communion is not supposed to be a time of grief, even though the confession of sin, I think, is an important thing. But it ought to be a time of thanksgiving in anticipation to see the Lord. Think about this. Jesus gave thanks even though he knew he was about to suffer and die. And he gave the church a very, very specific identity, as I said a moment ago. This is your tag to the world, and that is your love for one another. And so this evening, before we actually participate in this, I'm just going to ask us to pray one more time and ask the Spirit and the presence of the Lord not to touch your neighbor, not to touch your friend, not to touch your companion, but I want the Lord to touch me. Amen. Amen. Lord, I love you today, and I'm asking you now. Would you let the power of the Holy Ghost wash over my mind and my heart and cleanse me? Lord, I don't want my motives to be ill. I don't want my agenda God to be wrong and out of tune and step with you but I pray oh God that your anointing would just touch my mind and my heart every Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to join together with me if you will. If you'll just remove the first layer of the cup that's been served you this evening. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11 24, Speaking of the Lord, Paul made direct reference to this. He said, and when he had given thanks, he break it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. And here it is, this do in remembrance of me. And so would you take of that wafer tonight and eat? The very next verse, the Bible says, and after the same manner also he took the cup when he had up, saying this cup is the new testament in my blood this do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me amen would you partake of that now in Jesus name Lord I love you today God and I thank you Lord I thank you for Calvary's cross I thank you, Lord, not that you were born, not just that you were born. (laughs) I thank you, God, not that, that you just lived, but I'm so thankful for Calvary's cross, Lord, upon which the supreme sacrifice was paid. I'm thankful, Lord, that you didn't stay on that cross, but I'm thankful, God, that you rose again as your word said that you would. And that you rose triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. And because of that today, Jesus, we have faith in a future. God, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. God, this hope that we find in this world is very temporary, very fickle. It is bathed with uncertainty. But God, I thank you for the hope that is beyond this life. I thank you for the strength that we find in you. I thank you for the hope that we find in you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, would you take someone by the hand? Amen. Would you just pray and ask the Lord to touch us together as a church? Lord, let's stand united. Let's stand united. God, I pray that your anointing would touch us. God, we join together in hands symbolically, Lord. We want to be one God, I pray that you would touch us today and help us to be one voice. That we would stand shoulder to shoulder, God, and that we would march triumphantly into this new year, Lord. I pray that it will not just be church's norm. I pray today, God, that it will just not be the status quo. But oh, I ask you to use my brother today, God. I'm asking you to anoint Justin like he's never been anointed before. God, I pray that you would unlock something in his heart, his life, and his mind, God, like never before. Release your power and your presence. (laughs) Release your power and presence, oh God, in our brothers, in our sisters tonight, God. I pray for a boldness. I pray for a courage. I pray for authority, God, to blanket what we're doing. God, that we would not be passive about our message. We would not be passive, passive, oh God, about our praise and worship. We would not be passive, oh God, about the ministry, Lord, of this church. But, oh God, help us to stand confident. Help us to stand sure, Lord. Help us to stand sure, and help us to march, oh God, with great with great courage and with great intention. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the God, what a great and mighty God what a great and mighty God, amen I I ask every year that, that you take this small cup that seems insignificant but I, I, I ask you to take it home with your, to your office or wherever you can place it in a in a conspicuous place that you can remember amen, I want to remember, I don't want to forget I don't want to forget I want the Spirit of the Lord to touch us. Amen. Let the power and the presence of God minister to us in the name of Jesus. Thank you.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the Media Ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic.